I'm Amy Lettingham. I'm a master certified dating and relationship coach. And I'm Kevin Lettingham, Amy's husband and a former reality and docuseries TV producer director. And together we want to welcome you to Sex, Love, and Mindful Dating. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a group of individuals who love one person more than anyone else in the world, themselves. And of course, I'm talking about narcissists. Unfortunately, far too many singles out there get into committed relationships with these self-serving souls who continually leave behind a wake of heartbreak and pain. Narcissists tend to be charming, quick-witted, and on the lookout for anyone who can get sucked into their vortex of control. We often want to believe the best in people and their good intentions, but when it comes to narcissists, there are none. That's why today we're going to break down what a narcissist looks like and how you can avoid dating one. If your goal is to find lasting love, my conscious dating programs help you do just that. We do it through breaking your unhealthy dating beliefs, attitudes, patterns, and through my online dating courses, group coaching, and personal one-on-one virtual coaching, I can help you. Contact me at amythedatingcoach.com, that's A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com, and mention the podcast to receive a special offer. All right, why don't we start by defining what narcissism is? So Amy, what is a narcissist? A narcissistic person is someone who has an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention, admiration, has troubled relationships, and a lack of empathy for others. They can either be born with these traits or develop them over time. And no matter how they get it, when you're in a relationship with a narcissistic person, it can be very hard to see the signs until it's too late. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's difficult about this is people don't have a big sign in their head that says, I'm a narcissist or what kind. So it's hard to see. It's true. And sometimes people can make a mistake of narcissism and think that it's confidence. Yeah. Well, I think that's why narcissists tend to be very attractive to people because they're confident. They tend to be fun you know, a lot of narcissists. So that makes them a draw. Unfortunately, you have to look out for all these other signs, which we'll get into later. But I think that's something we need to discuss is that these people are on the surface, a good catch a lot of times, it seems. Yeah, because they look confident, and they seem to be very assertive. So it's people assume that but it's really selfishness, like they don't care about other people. And so we tend to confuse that. And and then we kind of fall victim to the idea that wow, this person is really impressive. Have you dated a narcissist? Absolutely. Or what was it like? Well, I mean, every single narcissist that I dated, uh, preyed on my own insecurities. And I actually can think a lot of my clients can relate to that. They did a really good job at love bombing me in the beginning, kind of filling that void of uh, wanting to have somebody court me and just tell me all the words and things that I want to hear. Showed you a lot of attention. Oh, showed me a lot of attention. And then would never follow through. Or they would follow through in the beginning and then they start pulling back. And it was like a way of controlling me. I, I, I really think about it. I'm like, oh, I remember my ex would purposely, like when he wanted something from me, he would turn, turn into this manipulative person and he'd be so kind and thoughtful. And then when he wanted his own time, he would somehow f- make up a fight, get mad at me and then disappear. 
So when did you know he was a narcissist? While you were dating him or after? After. I was already duped. I already had fallen for the guy and emotionally been bonded. And so I had no clue he was a narcissist until after I broke up with him. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happens mostly because I think once you're emotionally involved with someone, you tend to give reason for someone's behavior. You, you can say, oh, he's just doing this because, or she's just doing that for this. But the reality is, is this is who they are at this time. And the behavior is bad. Yeah. And what happens also when you're like a people pleaser or you have some insecurities, you think you could change them or rescue them. And they know that they know that you are easily manipulated um, because you're nice and you see the best in people. And so they keep kind of stringing you along and then letting it go, stringing you along and letting it go. Well, I have a completely different experience because the narcissist I've dated in my life, I, I never got emotionally attached and I always just found them fun and never girlfriend material. I think it's the personality that falls for him. You're not somebody that was super, from what I know, um, insecure when you were younger. And so I've never been insecure. Really. So if you're an insecure person or somebody that seeks a lot of self-worth and validation through others, uh, a narcissist can really take a hold of you and control you, uh, do some major damage there. Uh, so for you, like, what was it like that made you like them? Well, they were confident and they tend to do things that are fun and outgoing, lack of fear, which was always attractive in a woman. There's narcissists don't tend to have a lot of fear about doing things. They're like, oh, throw caution into the wind and let's do this. And I loved that for short-term girlfriends. It's not a wife. Wow. So I guess, what about your clients? Do your clients come to you with stories of I dated a narcissist or do you usually have to tell them, by the way, he or she was a narcissist? I would say both. I have a lot of clients that were married and divorced, you know, from um, narcissists. From narcissists. Wow. And so narcissistic abuse is truly like a strong statement, but it is true. Like you don't realize you're being abused in the relationship, like through gaslighting. Um, What's that? Gaslighting is where they kind of spin your truths to make you think that you're you're crazy. As soon as you're like sitting there going, oh, you did this. They're like, no, I didn't. I think you're crazy. What's wrong with you? And they start making you feel like you're the one that is at fault. So they spin it on you. Yeah, there's just so many different things narcissists do. It's almost like they break your confidence slowly. And then you start having no self-worth in the relationship. And you feel insecure. So do you think people are born narcissists? They're raised to be narcissist or both what what happens to make someone become a narcissist i think it's both i think there's nature and there's nurture for sure i know a lot of people that um are narcissists or have a lot of narcissistic tendencies because their parents were narcissists and it's not that they understood like there's no lack of empathy or this and that it's more like they never saw empathy so they don't understand how to deliver it um, so those people you can work on. Those people actually, those are just habits and skills that can be developed. Um, but the pathological narcissist, 
That one's just, you're born like that. Yeah. Well, that's like the serial killers that have no empathy and have narcissistic behavior, you know, like a Charles Manson or someone like that. And I find those characters fascinating. Obviously, we're not going as far to talk about the the pathological versions. We can only hope that anyone listening isn't or won't be dating someone who ends up with that kind of narcissist. But, you know, the important thing is, is that there's a distinction that people can just develop it over time. And if you get caught in the crosshairs during that period where they're, you know, acting like narcissists, you're going to end up hurt and in a lot of pain. Absolutely. So what do you tell your clients when they finally realize that they dated a narcissist? Is there a moment where they go, it all makes sense? Or do they still have trouble seeing through the weeds? Most of them see it. And then there's a tremendous amount of shame that comes through. And it's really painful. And I've been there too. It's like, why did I put myself in this situation? And then they start feeling um, angry because they're no longer the victim. Interesting. A lot of anger because they recognize that they were being emotionally abused or manipulated. Do you find that most of your clients that dated a narcissist dated two or three or four, or is it a one-off? Most are two, three, or four. Yeah. Again, the majority of them came from narcissistic parents or grandparents or whatever, whoever was their major influencer. So being around narcissists is familiar. Yeah. So, and what happens, it's just like alcoholism and any type of issues that concern boundaries is that if you're around people that are constantly crossing boundaries, then you don't understand what healthy boundaries look like. You assume that this is normal. There's an interesting thing. We'll talk about it here with Dr. Drew Pinsky. Everyone knows Dr. Drew. I think he's done a bunch of TV shows on the radio years ago. He did something really interesting, and it's going to get to the root of this narcissistic behavior. Dr. Drew has celebrity guests on his show, actors, models, whatever, and he actually did a survey with 200 celebrities using the Narcissistic Personality Inventory Test. So basically, this is a widely respected questionnaire that measures narcissistic tendencies and ranks individuals on a scale of 1 to 40, with 40 being extremely narcissistic. So what he found was that on average, celebrities scored about 17% higher than the general public, with females ranking significantly higher than males. And interestingly enough, celebrities with the most skill, like musicians, for example, uh, were the least narcissistic, and those with the least skill, reality stars, were off the narcissism charts. And the most important thing that came from this study, I think, is what is the root of it? And what did he say? It's a clinical trait that belies a deep sense of emptiness, low self-esteem, emotional detachment, self-loathing, extreme problems with intimacy. This is exactly the opposite of what you would think a narcissist would have behind them is all this. You would expect them to be confident. Yeah, it's overcompensation. What a narcissist is at its core is an insecure soul. And then they're trying to find another insecure soul. Yeah. And make them even more insecure so that they can control them. Yeah. So at the end of the day, these two people, although they're oil and water, their cores are very similar, but they'll never be able to connect. Yeah. Because of these 
deeply rooted insecurities and lack of intimacy and that and so on. Yeah. So who's falling for narcissists most often? Who, how would you describe the person that gets caught in their web the most? Uh, they tend to be people pleasers. Uh, they tend to be like people that are super nice, see the best in people, kind of have a naivete to them. They're just, uh, they take people for their word very quickly. A confident soul is like kryptonite to narcissists. They will run the other way because they can see that there's no manipulation tactics or there's no insecurity there that they can work with. They like to deal with people that they know have a negative narrative of self, right? Because it's much easier to kind of, oh, you know what? Maybe your mom was right about that about you. Mm -hmm. And just just little passive aggressive statements, just planting the seeds until they break you down. So a person could be completely positive and have happy elements to their life. But once the narcissist gets in there, they flip it. Yep. And it becomes all about the negative. If you really think about it, everything we do is habitual. And if you're with somebody that habitually is speaking to you negatively or being passive aggressive and just programming those negative narratives in there, eventually you start believing it to be true. Yeah. You'll notice that you're with a narcissist when you say, I've lost my identity. Mm. I don't know who I am. I don't trust who I am. And you're in a relationship with someone. And so it's kind of like a big wake up call. Who are you then? And you can say all these things. I think I'm this. I think I'm that. But is it really your voice? And usually when we get to the root cause, it's like, it's their ex-husband, their ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, you know, telling them that you're lucky if anybody else will date you after me. I mean, to break someone, someone's confidence that they can find someone else better than them allows them full control. Yeah. And I think, look, when we're in relationships, we talked about that love is blind kind of thing. Yep. And can have rose-colored glasses about the person you're with when you do have an emotional attachment. So it, it can be fair. But the interesting thing about the narcissist and why I'm so fascinated by them is because they're so clearly detrimental to everyone around them and they leave this wake of, of badness and negativity. And it's just frustrating to see quality people get sucked into that. You just kind of want them to be like... I wish it was a, like a magic wand that would say, just open your eyes, please. And there just isn't. Well, I mean, it, it just takes the ability for mindfulness and self-awareness. I'd like to take a moment to talk to you about my free ebook, Five Dating Traps to Avoid. It gives you tips to avoid all the traps that make your heart break. So go to amythedatingcoach.com. And that's spelled A-M-I-E, thedatingcoach.com. All right, so here is a list of the top 10 things to look out for to make sure you never fall in the trap of dating a narcissist. Number one, they love to talk about themselves. Yeah, I mean, talk about one-sided conversations. If they're not asking you a single question, and have you ever been one of those dates? Oh yeah, yeah. They're painful. Horrible. I mean, I'm I'm usually out the door before the check comes if that happens. But 
I mean, it should be a rule that you have to ask at least one question about me. More than one. Yeah. Come on. This is like a back and forth conversation. Now, don't get me wrong. There's people that are nervous out there and they just chatter incessantly. But this is like straight up. I don't even care who you are or what you're about. I just care that you're listening to me and making me feel good. Yeah. That is a big red flag. Run away. Don't even try to work it out. If one day they do it, when you mentioned, all right, maybe they're a little nervous two dates they do it, you know what you have. Yeah, patterns. That's a pattern. You've got to see that if this person is talking about themselves on the phone, on your first date, they don't ask you questions via text or they only care about themselves, well, this should be a red flag. Absolutely. All right, number two, love bombing. Yeah, we talked about this earlier, but love bombing is where someone lavishes you with tons of attention, compliments, gifts, and just, it's a little inappropriate. It's like moving too fast, but it feels so good, right? You almost feel like you're in a Disney movie like Cinderella or Snow White where you're just a princess being lavish. But this is a tactic narcissists use to manipulate you and hook you into their vortex. And then it explodes and then there's no more. They don't give you more love. It's start. They start pulling away and believe it or not, it's kind of like creating an addiction, mm. right? It's like, hey, I'm the drug dealer. I'm giving you drugs for free the first time. And then you get hooked. And then I start pulling back. You don't get free drugs anymore. You got to buy it from me. So this is a way for them to hook you and make you start earning your love through them. So if somebody's out there getting the flowers every day and getting the romance and getting the excitement, that's great. But you've got to have tempered expectations because you might be getting love bombed. Yeah, you look for consistency. Is this something that they do the first month and then it stops? Or is this something that they're doing throughout your relationships? Like to me, 90 days really lets you see their character. I mean, even when I was dating you and no offense, when you told me you're like, I'm gonna ask your parents for your hand in marriage. And like you literally cried, you were so excited. And I had been love bombed so many times. I kind of looked over at you and I said, that's really sweet. And you're like, why aren't you crying? Why aren't you excited? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, to me, I've been told that I'm going to get married. Somebody's going to do this to me. And then the only time that I really believed it when there was a ring in my finger. Right. So love bombing is about realizing that this could be temporary being smarter and going, okay, I like it. It's nice. It feels good. But let me see consistency. Number three, actions don't match their words. Yeah. So when their actions don't match their words, when they're saying everything that you want to hear, they're talking about future trips, when you're going to meet their family and you've been together for like five months and you've never met their family and there's no trips. Yeah. Yeah. People, this is such an easy one to, to spot, not even for narcissists, but for anyone. If When someone says one thing and they do something else, that is a red flag. I almost feel, honestly, we fall in love with people's words in the dream. It's like this is the perfect salesman, right? So much. Like we want to believe it so much that we just hang on to it, hoping that one day it's going to come true. Yeah. I'm just telling you moving forward, th those of you are that are listening, don't be so hard on yourself if you fell for the words, but learn to not do it again. Yeah, because I, I do think that narcissists tend to be people that are good talkers, that have an ability to go and 
find a person that words will have a massive effect on them and it eventually will lead them down a path of misery because you're not going to get the things that they promised. Yeah. And and that's unfortunate because if you're a good soul and you deserve love, a narcissist isn't going to give it to you. No. All right, number four, they're a rule breaker and a boundary pusher. Yeah, so these are people that when you assert your boundary and they say, okay, yes, and they keep overriding and overstepping boundaries. Give me an example of like a a rule break or a boundary push. Well, I had a client that um, she told, she was kind of talking to this gentleman and she's like, let me call you. I want to slow things down. Let me call you when I'm ready. And then he just was calling her incessantly. Okay. And then she said, let me call you when I'm ready at a certain time. He started calling her at 1030 at night. And then he asked her on a date and she was supposed to go on a date. And then he called her and said, oh, I'm too busy. Why don't you come to my bar instead? So he's trying to figure out how much he can push, how much she'll take. literally pushing, pushing, pushing. And you can feel that anxiety, that frustration because he's not listening. And you just have to trust your gut here. The problem that we fall victim to is when we start going, am I being too hard? And that's what those narcissists are looking for, are people that have a tremendous amount of self-doubt and self, like low self-worth so that they will negotiate um, their own boundaries to be liked because they don't want conflict. So do you think this client is dating a narcissist? Do you think he is? Not with the work that I've been doing with her. <laughs> so she's not dating him anymore? Nope, she walked away from him. That's good. Yeah. Those were the signs. They were. Listen, people are supposed to put their best foot forward in the beginning. And if this is their best foot forward in the early stages, you're so screwed once they get comfortable. Number five, a sense of entitlement. Narcissists often expect preferential treatment. They always want their social sphere to kind of look up to them like they deserve everything without really investing or putting a lot of work into it. And it's almost like they're always passing the tool to somebody else and going, you know, I expect you to do these things rather than really taking the initiative and doing things for themselves. Yeah. You know, entitlement is such a negative quality. Someone who's entitled and and I think you and I, Amy and I can admit there are people in our lives, family, friends that are entitled at times and it drives us bonkers. I don't know why that particular thing drives me so nuts, but when you're entitled, you're not thinking about the other person. Exactly. And it's like really selfish. Yeah. Number six. A negative reaction comes when they don't get what they want. Yes, this is where the temper tantrum comes out. You know, their child's viewpoint, we often act in a childish way because we come from our child's viewpoint when we are uh, not getting the things we want, right? And it seems like every single time somebody and something is doing something to them, You know, they don't take accountability and they, yeah, you'll see consistent, just bad behavior, tantrum, tantrum, tantrum. Right. They didn't get the job or you didn't do something for them. Then they act out physically, emotionally, 
and it becomes a very easy sign to spot. I mean, if someone's especially overreacting, right, when they don't get what they want, something small. And they tend to be the victim. Yeah. All yeah. the time. It's like everybody's fault, except there's no accountability on their part. or You know, they're pointing fingers at everyone else. Yeah. All right, number seven, they exaggerate their own achievements. Well, this is deep rooted from insecurities, you know, and it's inflating their own ego and accomplishments because, again, this is overcompensation. They don't have the ability to be vulnerable. They don't have the ability to go look within and say, I'm not perfect. You know, most of these narcissists live in perfectionism. Uh, and denying their ability to really grow as a person. So that's why they exaggerate over achievements because everything that is based on their validation is external. Yeah, and I think, again, it's easy to see when somebody says something and then you see later that it doesn't match. So you have to be looking out for these inconsistencies. A guy might say, well, I graduated from this school. And then you find out they didn't graduate. So, you know, my ex-boyfriend, for example, he's like, come with me and look for condos. And then I found out he had no money and really bad credit. And I'm like, why are you looking at condos? Why were you? So he was exaggerating. He didn't have money, but he wanted to make it look like he did. Yeah. And then he said to me, he goes, well, I was going to buy it someday. Wow. Yeah. So was he a narcissist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Deeply rooted. Yeah. Yeah. Right, number eight, takes advantage of others. So when it comes to narcissists, it's, since they're boundary pushers, it's really easy for them to take advantage of people, especially people that have um, very little boundaries, right? Again, back to people pleasing. If you're a people pleaser, you will be putty in their hands. It will be dangerous for you. And you know, it's okay to give, but you got to make sure that you're giving to the right person. And to me, like giving and making sure you're receiving before you give more, just not blindly giving makes a huge difference. The narcissist is looking for somebody that blindly gives without really, is that's so generous to the point where it's a detriment to their own happiness. Well, what's an example of someone taking advantage of someone? Oh, you see it all the time, like people using people for money, for sex, for favors. I mean, all sorts of things where it makes other people feel like they're used, abused, and re they feel resentful after a while because they're not receiving anything in return. Yeah, this reminds me of that kind of, I left my wallet at home kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, I, I'm not getting paid till next week or just little things like that that you know, on the surface doesn't seem like a big deal and you want to help someone out, but a narcissist is going to take advantage and get you to pay. Oh yeah. I had a friend like that, you know, that needed the money and then borrowed my money. And then I paid, you know, never paid me back, but was buying new clothes and makeup. And that really hurt my feelings because I realized when I asked her, she still hasn't paid me back. I asked her, like, why didn't you pay me back? She's like, well, I don't have any money. Yeah. And, and she says, you do. Is she a narcissist? Yes. Wow, you've got a fair amount in your life. Yeah, I grew up around a lot of narcissists. I mean, how, and so when you grow up around narcissists, you tend to think that that's how you're supposed to be treated. Yeah, but they're not in your life now. 
No, they aren't. That's good because I don't like hanging out with people that have the qualities on this list. (laughs) All right, number nine, lack of empathy towards others. First off, let's talk about empathy. Empathy is having compassion for others and putting yourself in their shoes, like being able to emotionally feel what they're feeling, right? That's empathy. Narcissists, they don't have that. They don't understand empathy. They don't even want to look at their emotions and feelings. It scares them. So um, when you see the lack of empathy, let's say if somebody fell on their face, instead of helping them and picking them up and saying, are you okay? They're laughing at them, right? Or somebody's going through a tremendous difficult time in their life, the person is going, what's wrong with you? You're being so sensitive. That is a lack of empathy, right? So we got to look for these type of behaviors that'll help you mitigate bringing these type of people in your life. Yeah. I think when, when you are with a narcissist and and there's somebody who you see never has any compassion for other human beings, whether they're watching TV and making comments or people in your life, you know, it doesn't matter when someone isn't empathetic to the human condition, to human beings in general, that is the red flag of red flags. And I think a lot of people out there wash away, oh, they're just making a comment. But some of these comments are deeply rooted in truth. And I I think when you're with a narcissist and they are doing these things around you to the world, you're going to get sucked into that. You're going to become like them and you're going to end up miserable. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Number 10, extreme bouts of jealousy towards others. Yeah. I feel like when you're dealing with somebody so insecure, like a narcissist, they don't want anyone to be better than them. Like they're constantly, because of the root cause is insecurity, they're constantly comparing themselves. There's also the fact that narcissists tend to act jealous to control. I mean, when they're like, you are a, a nice girl, for example, and you end up talking to a guy and then your boyfriend comes over and is immediately on top of you acting like you did something wrong, that's control. But he's using jealousy. He's like, why did you talk to that guy? Why were you with him? Yeah. I mean, that's really it is it comes down to the sense of control and control comes from insecurity. Yeah, I think, it. you know, jealousy is also another one that's really important because they will use jealousy to pry you away from everyone and everything else in your life. Yeah. Well, what they'll do is they will break down every single person in your life so that you won't have a relationship with them. Yeah. So this is like a simple equation that I actually share with a lot of my clients. It's really simple. It's givers should date givers. And a narcissist is a taker. So look for the givers. And you'll know because they're not just giving to you. They're giving to their friends, people that's been in their life for years, the world. They're just generous and kind people. So if two givers come together, boom, happiness. That's what you and I feel like you and I are. I agree. I agree. Was that narcissistic to say that? (laughs) It was not. It was not. I will categorically defend all of that as not being narcissistic. That was cute. (laughs) 
So if you're struggling with the same theme, right, of meeting narcissist after narcissist after narcissist, you can break the cycle. It just requires you to be mindful, conscious, and aware. Like you have to pay attention and really don't trust people for their words so quickly. Look at their actions and look at their character. And if you struggle with this and you need more help, I'm here for you. Go to amythedatingcoach.com, send me a message, and we'll talk and really get to the root cause of why these people keep entering into your life. All right. Well, until next time, we thank you very much for listening. If you did like the podcast, please give us a five-star review or hit the subscribe button. It really does help. Till the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye.